May it please the court. I'm Matt Keziah, appearing on behalf of the appellants, uh, UFC, United Federation of Churches, also known as the Satanic Temple. Uh, Your Honors, we have two issues uh, at, at play in this appeal. There's the cyber piracy issue, which is a statutory interpretation issue. And then we have the constitutional issue of whether the ecclesiastical abstention uh, bars a defamation claim raised by a religious organization. Uh, I'd like to start with the cyber piracy, the statutory interpretation question. As we all know, statutory interpretation 101, you start with the text of the statute. Uh, the, the case below turns on the following language. A domain name is an alphanumeric designation, which is part of an electronic address that is registered with or uh, assigned by, importantly here, an other registration authority. Let's unpack that. We have a URL that says the Satanic Temple Washington in Pertinent Park. UFC owns the trademark rights to the Satanic Temple. This is part of electronic address, so we check that. There are no non-alphanumeric aspects of the URL, uh, the Satanic Temple Washington. So it's definitely an alphanumeric designation. It's part of an electronic address. If you want to go to this particular Facebook website, you click on the bookmark that says facebook.com slash the Satanic Temple Washington. It goes to the Facebook page. So let me just... See if I understand under your theory, it's not just Facebook, it's Pinterest, X, Twitter, anyone, any such social media site that hosts websites would basically be an other registration authority. Providing that there is a third party that is in the business of registering or disseminating the the name, yes. If you have a unique designation, for example, the Satanic Temple. Pepsi, you name it. Yes, that's that is. Well, the those concern. those are registered through domain registration well, organizations, the, not through Facebook. Facebook. Your, your argument basically is is that domain registration is the same as social media website registration. Correct. Correct. Yes, John. We are. Our position is. Do you have that any case that would support that? There are no cases on this. This is an issue. It might of person, be a good reason, though. Uh, well, yeah, the good reason is that someone who steals a, someone's trademark and creates a website on it is in to get rich quick. They're not going to fight it up to a circuit level of appeal. Uh, that's why we're here today. It's because we have a particular group of disgruntled former members that had an axe to grind with TST. So what did they do? They stole the website on the way out. Uh, that's the problem. Uh, so naturally... These kinds of get-rich-quick schemes, for which the Senate Report 160-140 recognizes as problematic, what they're trying to do is extend, what Congress is trying to do is extend the land. Well, well, the individual defendants here were not the domain name registrants as required under the Act initially anyway, were they? We, not initially, yeah. but that's part of their argument. The, the statute doesn't just say uh, liability attaches for the initial registration. It also attaches to people who traffic in or use the domain. So assuming, assuming the, the predicate that this is a domain, then when they stole the website and they continue to use the website, they were traffic in, trafficking in and using the domain. I think the real question here is whether a third-party entity which registers or uh, assigns these kinds of websites is an other registration authority. Well, they are, the, they're not really registering a, a whole new domain. They already have the domain. Well, and your client has a domain, right? Uh, that depends on what we mean by domain. Is domain Facebook or is domain Facebook.com slash the Satanic Temple Washington? Because in our in our construction of this, Facebook.com slash the Satanic Temple Washington, 
fulfills the statutory text. It's an alphanumeric designation. It constitutes part of an electronic address, and it's disseminated by Facebook. So, you know, if, if, you, if you review the Senate report, the concern here is that you have people who uh, take some trademark and they're putting it out there on the Internet as if it's them. But it's not actually them, uh, which is what we have here. They, they took TST's trademark. So, for example, um, the, uh, the, the Senate report at page five lists off. They keep saying it's a website. It's a website. A domain is a website. Uh, you find the domain by accessing the website. Uh, that's, that's what we have here. The bookmark goes to the website. That is the Facebook page. Also in the Senate report, we know that it's not a screen name. It's not a file name. It's something that is registered with some third party. We're talking about designations of origin, false designations of origin, which is exactly what we had here. They stole TST's website. TST's website is a designation of origin. That's what makes it TST's. So it checks all the boxes provided for by the statute to get around all of this. The judge says, well, it's not a second or greater level domain. Therefore, it does not apply. But all of this language uh, ignores page 10 of the Senate report, in which they say this language, uh, a domain name should be, quote, uh, uh, it should be interpreted as, quote, technologically neutral enough to accommodate other than second-level uh, second domains, as may be the case with third or fourth-level domains. May, not shall. Third and fourth-level domains are what Congress, uh, Congress was thinking of back before Facebook was uh, in operation. It was designed to be technologically neutral. And taking the uh, district court's opinion at face value, what does that mean? Every new Facebook, uh, every new social media company that arises, every company out there with a trademark has the risk of if they're not first in line, they don't have a remedy. That's a problem. But what I'm having trouble with, maybe you can this is when, I mean, there's a long history here of ICANN, domain name registrations, and how that's been done since we had the internet. And here it's very specific as to the ICANN process and someone that has a registry agreement with ICANN. Does Facebook have a registry agreement to register domain names? They have terms of service, yes. No, with ICANN? Not with ICANN. Well, I don't know. As well, but, you know, I can walk out today and make a terms of service. That doesn't make me a domain name registrar. I need to have the ability to, it's something very specific. It's a registry agreement with ICANN or with an authorized registrar, which there's a list. So I I can't just willy-nilly go out there like somebody else just because I'm on Facebook. So that's where... I'm having trouble with your statutory interpretation. So the statute uh, provides three options. One option is domain uh, registration authority. The second option is domain registrar. The third option, which is what we're arguing, is other domain registration authority. So, And where and, does the authority derive from? Uh, well, the text doesn't tell us anymore. The Senate report doesn't tell us anymore. So we're just at a place where we're we're trying to take what Congress has set forth as the substantive law and trying to create uh, how should this apply on this unique set of circumstances. So we don't really have any clear case law or any clear language of statute or regulation or anything that says that it, Facebook is not an other domain registration authority. 
And the closest that we can get is that uh, Central District California case. It was a WordPress case. Uh, I forget the name. Call it Jeffrey Willens 2 or whatever, .wordpress.com. This particular statute attaches to that. Why? Because it's on the left side of the .com. That's not a principal distinction. WordPress, just like Facebook, is a social media page. WordPress, just like Facebook, you register your, your username or what have you with it. And because it's an authorized registrar. Not because, well, that's what the that's court what found. It is. because WordPress it's on the left is. side. However, just because it's not within the first category, just because it's not within the second category, that doesn't mean we can strike out the third category as meaningless. The statutory language is still there. Congress still had that intent when they passed the statute. It fits all, it checks all of the boxes set forth by the, the, uh, the Senate report. It does all of the, the issues that we're taking issue with here. Do you all- want to move on to your second issue before you use all your time? Uh, yes, Your Honor. The, the defamation line of argument is pretty straightforward. Ecclesiastical abstention uh, boils down to this. Governments do not get involved in religious disputes. The court cited, the district court cited two particular cases. Both of those cases were uh, contests about who owns the church. The, in, in the response brief, they cite another three cases or so in which some priest that was defrocked says, I'm still a Catholic priest. And so that was the, that was the nature of the dispute, whether or not there's still a priest within Catholic doctrine. Just if I can, just to cut to the court, I mean, interrupt you, make sure you follow up on Judge McEwen's question. On the matter of the defamation claim, which is decided under state law, um, the district court dismissed on the basis of the ecclesiastical abstention doctrine. Correct. And did not conduct an analysis as to plausibility under Twombly or Iqbal. It was straight out that the ecclesiastical exception applies, and it's dismissed on that basis, Correct. Correct. And there was no analysis of any plausibility of the claim of defamation. It was totally on that basis alone, was it not? Correct. Uh, the, the, uh, and to kind of back up a little bit more, this is a subject matter jurisdiction issue. Yeah. The question posed is whether the First Amendment bars a religious organization from bringing a defamation claim. That's what the judge found. We posit, obviously that's not the case. Restatement Second of Torts, Section 561, Comment B, recognizes that religious organizations can sue for defamation. We have a case going on with Newsweek about some of the very issues at, some of the statements at issue in this original defamation case, which is ongoing. Uh, SDNY says you can't just hold per se, religious organizations are uh, public figures, uh, there was a whole motion to dismiss as ecclesiastical abstention bars that complaint as well. Uh, SDNY says the exact opposite of what we have going on here. Uh, here. Here's really the rub. Churches and other temples, other mm-hmm. organizations can sue. Correct. We all agree with that. And they sue all the time. The, then sometimes there's ecclesiastical abstention put forth by the defendants because of the nature of it. The question I have here is how can a court or jury neutrally determine whether the doctrine of the satanic group has somehow been defamed by these defendants without getting into what is the doctrine? Well, there are two approaches. Option one, neutral principles of law. Let's let's take one of the statements at issue. They claim sexual abuse and cover-up as an organizational uh 
activity that TST engages in. That's false. It's provably false. So neutral principles of law. How, do you, how is that provably false without going into what are the precepts and principles of your organization? You go through, okay, are there actually instances of sexual abuse? Yes or no? Presuming yes, what's the cover-up? Straightforward. Just as well as if you went to sue Target Corporation, for example, as if they engaged in sexual abuse and cover-up, you look at their policies. It doesn't matter about the, the about-us statement uh, that Target puts out. It doesn't matter you know, that they have a general policy against engaging in sexual abuse. You look very particularly to find out whether there was, in fact, sexual abuse and cover-up. But it, aren't you then getting into kind of inside the religious organization, because if, if you say this organization is uh, misogynistic, um, it's uh, transphobic, et cetera, which are some of the potential claims, but they haven't said anything about that, but there are church doctrines that talk about that. How isn't that having to go into the church doctrine? Well, the the... Ecclesiastical bar doesn't bar all things about church doctrine. What it bars is fundamentally religious disputes that incidentally affect civil rights. This is not something that incidentally affects civil rights. That is the dispute. It's not whether there's some tangential relationship between church doctrine and the dispute. The question is whether the dispute is over church doctrine. That Moon case the district court cites, that's a dispute over who owns the church. Who is the rightful leader of this church? You have to look to church polity rules to determine that. Same thing with the Catholic, uh, the Catholic priests who said, I'm still a priest even though I've been defrocked. You have to look to Catholic rules to determine whether they are, in fact, a Catholic priest. That's not what's going on here. This well, in, is this not case, a- in this case, the claims of defamation are racism, fascism, which are broader comments that may not get into ecclesiastical doctrine, but picking up on Judge McEwen's question, there's also transphobia, mm-hmm. that it's alleged that defamation includes that they are racist, they're fascist, and it's also transphobic. Does a matter of transphobia get into ecclesiastical church teachings and doctrine? Not in my opinion. Uh, however, the, the way that the court could have gotten around this is mixed opinion. Are these mixed opinions or are these just straight opinion statements? And had the court actually delved into it and taken the statements as You're suggesting made. because at the stage of a motion to dismiss, looking at the facts in the light most favorable to the plaintiff bringing the claim, that it's a matter of at least initially um, a plausibility analysis that at least proceeds to discovery, and it may or may not fail ultimately at the next rail at summary judgment motion. But your point is it should survive a motion to dismiss on defamation. Our position is it minimally should have survived the 12B1 issue of ecclesiastical bar. The district court should have engaged in the 12B6 analysis as to whether these statements are defamatory, are they opinion, are they mixed opinion. Uh, The judge didn't do that. So we have the initial issue, which is what's on appeal now, of we don't even get to sue in the first place because of a religion. That's clearly wrong. Uh, Your Honors, I'm out of time. You are. I will give you some rebuttal time. Thank you, Your Honors. Good morning, Your Honors, Good morning. and may it please the court. My name is Jeremy. You can Roller. pull that microphone a little closer to you. I'm sorry. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Uh, it's my honor to represent the appellees in this matter, David Allen Johnson, Leah Fishbaugh, Nathan Sullivan, and Mickey Powell. This case is about the Satanic Temple's 
campaign to harass and intimidate expelled members of the church. Uh, there have been multiple complaints in multiple courts. This is one of the few that is remaining. The vast majority of the Satanic Temple's efforts have failed. And um, as the court is aware here, the Satanic Temple seeks to revive its dismissed anti-cyber squatting protection act claim and its dismissed defamation claim. The appeal is baseless, and this court should affirm Judge Jones' ruling. I'd first like to address the cyber piracy claim, and I'd like to start with a, a comment that uh, was made by uh, Mr. Kazaya that the Satanic Temple would have no remedy for a person's use of a Facebook page that includes what some people refer to as a vanity URL, uh, the Satanic Temple. Of course they would have a remedy. And that remedy has existed for centuries in this, in this country, and that would be to file a straight-up trademark infringement action. Now, eventually in this case, uh, the Satanic Temple did file a dilution claim, and that was dismissed by Judge Jones and is not the subject of the appeal. But there, there is that remedy of a straight-up trademark infringement claim. They did, for whatever reason, they chose not to bring it, but that's the remedy. Or passing off or Section 43A. Absolutely. Absolutely, Your Honor. Uh, The Anti-Cyber Squatting Protection Act was designed, and this is in our papers, to address a very specific problem, and that was the practice of cyber squatters registering hundreds of domain names and essentially holding them hostage for the highest bidder to use. So if you were General Motors and someone got www.g.m.com, they say, okay, General Motors, you can have this um, for $10,000. That's not this case. Um, there, are, there are four reasons that the Anti-Cyber Squatting Protection Act claim fails. First, the claim doesn't involve a domain name as required by the Anti-Cyber Squatting Protection Act. Um, I, I think it's well gone over in the briefing. No court has determined that a post-domain path uh, constitutes a domain name. And doing that here would be a massive expansion of the Anti-Cyber Squatting Protection Act claim. Secondly, Facebook is not a domain name uh, and other, a domain registration authority or an other domain registration authority. Um, To register a domain, a consumer first needs to go to a register. We'd say we have the consumers here. The consumer needs to go to a registrar I, I looked up yesterday who the registrar for my law firm's website was. It was called a company called GoDaddy. The registrar then registers that domain with the uh, registry, which for .com and .net domains is VeriSign. And then VeriSign has a registry agreement with ICANN that Judge McEwen was speaking of before. What we're talking about here is above the consumer, above the consumer level, So the consumer in this case would be Facebook, but above the consumer level, a Facebook user having a name with a post-domain path, that that under all of the authority that either of the parties can identify is not a domain name. Panic Tempo focuses on that language, other registration authority. Do you offer any interpretation of what that means? I'm not sure. Candidly, I'm not sure what other registration authority is. It is conceivable that it might deal with um, 
third and fourth level domains, which, you know, for example, the Ninth Circuit's uh, domain name is ca9.uscourts.gov. It could be that um, Congress was anticipating some other framework for registering domains or some technological advance. But even though this this um, statute's been around for almost 25 years, the technology as far as how web pages work, is, as far as directing a user to a particular web page, has remained fairly static. Uh, there have been all kinds of myriad other technological advances, but here it's remained fairly static. Facebook is not a domain registration and other domain registration authority, and uh, finding so would represent a massive uh, increase in um, responsibility for these kinds of situations when, as I described before, there are other Lanham Act claims or potentially a Computer Fraud and Abuse Act claim, which was brought here and dismissed and is not subject to appeal, that could address those problems. Um, Judge Bennett had asked about the members of the satanic, uh, sorry, the expelled members, whether the fact that they are uh, not registrars or the original registrars, registrants, um, makes a difference. And it, it absolutely does. Um, the statute is clear that, and this is, uh, 1125 D1D, it provides that a person shall be liable for using a domain name under subparagraph A, which is the subparagraph that the Satanic Temple has brought this lawsuit on, only if that person is the domain name registrant or that registrant's authorized licensee. The Satanic Temple never alleged that uh, the expelled members were the registrants. In fact, it alleged that the Washington chapter created this Facebook page in 2014. And because um, the Satanic Temple didn't allege that the expelled members were registrants, it's subject to dismissal on that grounds as well. There's Sixth Circuit case uh, on point and Eleventh Circuit case on point, which is in our papers. So to get around this, the Satanic Temple contends that by replacing the approved administrators, with themselves, the expelled members made themselves domain name registrants. Now, the Lanham Act doesn't define the meaning of registrant, but under common meanings of the word, the expelled members plainly aren't registrants. Black's Law Dictionary defines registrant as, quote, someone who registers, especially someone who registers something for the purpose of securing a right or privilege grant, granted by law upon official registration. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines registrant as a person who registers. The Satanic Temple didn't allege the expelled members registered the chapter page, and accordingly, this claim fails. I'm going to suggest to you the same thing I did to Mr. Kazaya, and that was I don't want you to leave here without addressing the second issue. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, the only other thing I would... Um, I would point out on the, the prior claim is that the Satanic Temple did not allege that the expelled members um, had a bad faith intent to profit from their use of the, uh, of the page, uh, and that's addressed in the brief. They, they spent a lot of time in their brief talking about the bad faith factors, but there is no allegation of bad faith intent to profit. What, what underlying controversy of religious doctrine is presented? 
Well, I think there are, I think there are many underlying uh, controversies of religious. I mean, at this stage, at this stage, looking at the matter of a motion to dismiss, what is the underlying ecclesiastical doctrine that is brought into dispute that, that causes the ecclesiastical uh, abstention to apply? Okay. It, part of the difficulty in answering that question is the claim is pled in a way that does not meet Washington law requirements on specificity regarding defamation. And um, we pointed that out to Judge Jones. He didn't reach that point because he got to ecclesiastical extension. But uh, in a case called Harris v. City of Seattle, 315 F. Sup. Uh, 1112, uh, which is from 2004, in which this court affirmed at 152 Federal Appendix 6, sorry, 565, um, it, that provides that defamatory statements need to be pled with specificity. In its original complaint, which is the subject of this appeal, the Satanic Temple did a little more than allege that the expelled members falsely ascribed extremist ideologies and affiliations to the Satanic Temple. This is not sufficient. But turning well, that to... that would suggest it would need... It could just simply go back for more specific amendment. It, potentially, they, potentially they could. I, as they, they didn't seek to do that um, on a motion for reconsideration, so I don't know if that's something that they would do. But based upon what is in the complaint, I think we do know that it does relate to church doctrine. And how do we? Know? one of the primary ways we know that is the Satanic Temple tells us that. So in its opening brief, the Satanic Temple asserts that the defamatory statements, and I'm quoting here, were about a religion's tenets, practices, and affiliations. That's page 15 of their opening brief. At page 29 of their opening brief, they say, at issue is defendants' actionable mixed opinions about TST doctrine, practices, and affiliations. They go on in the reply at page 20. The thieves made provably false statements about TST's doctrine well, me, and affiliations. Let me cut right to the core, because with one exception, I, I don't we follow your argument, but the essentially the quote ideologies that you're referring to talk about misogyny, racism, fascism, endorsement of police brutality. Those affiliations include neo-Nazis and the alt-right. Yep. As to those, I, uh, I'm having a difficult time understanding how that gets into ecclesiastical doctrine. I will note that they also list transphobia, to which Judge McEwen referenced earlier, and there perhaps it does get to the matter of religious beliefs and religious doctrine, but the whole litany of, of ones that are listed are really fall right straight into wheelhouse of basic defamation law. And I mean, what, racism, fascism, uh, endorsement of police brutality, neo-Nazis, alt-right, where is the ecclesiastical doctrine there that, that, that causes this exception to apply as to those, setting aside the matter of the, the comment as to transphobia? Well, the Satanic Temple also answers that question, too. And in their complaint, um, at paragraph 8, they, they advanced what are they characterize as seven fundamental tenets of the, of the Satanic Temple. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. The struggle for justice is ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. One body is inviolable, subject to own, one's own will alone. 
freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forgo one's own. The satanic temple itself has said this is its religious beliefs and doctrine. Let's let's try to unpack it a little bit. Let's take police brutality. And the satanic temple says, you're falsely accusing us of police brutality. Correct. The satanic temple characterizes, I believe, one of my client's statements as as being that the the temple is insufficiently... um, insufficiently sensitive to the issue of police, police brutality. brutality. And if why isn't that really more in the nature of a factual determination or mixed fact um, opinion that we would see in a normal defamation? Suit? Because the, the court can't resolve that without getting into the whether whether the, the church's tenants um, speak to that issue and whether indeed the my client the client's statement, which again I'm, I'm not going to concede no, as fact, but let's take this hypothetically. If they said that uh, the the temple was insufficiently sensitive to issues of police brutality, to evaluate whether that is false and defamatory, a court needs to look at these seven fundamental tenets. Uh, well, why is that, your uh, counsel? Oh, we have a question from uh, Judge Gould. I'm not seeing why the court would have to look at religious doctrine to determine if that statement was defamatory. Because if the, if the religious doctrine is that it is a, it is a fundamental part of the religion that this type of behavior needs to be advocated against. And my clients assert that that hasn't sufficiently happened the court needs to get into the religious doctrine to determine whether my client's statement is true or false. It's like, let's just take another one. The um, satanic temple supports fascism. Okay. And if you can take all of the satanic temples, principles or tenets, and match them, and then you say fascism is X, and match up and see if they support that. Why doesn't that fall more in the nature of neutral determination, like any defamation case? I don't think it could be determined neutrally because it gets to what the church doctrine is, as to as to you know whether the church doctrine supports fascism or is anti-fascist. Um, and a, a number. So I mean, that, but under your argument, you would never be able to have the, a church bring a defamation suit. Absolutely not, Your Honor. If, if you my, mean an example which would be permitted? Um, if my client were to have said the satanic temple killed a child, that is, that is not true, I hope, and it also has nothing to do with church doctrine. Is that akin to whether the individual had been convicted of a sex offense? That case, it, I think it is. I think it is akin to that. Uh, I also, I know my time is out, but or running running low. But it is important to it's important to note that what the Satanic Temple suggests, alternatively, is is a flip of the ecclesiastical exemption doctrine, where the court just has to defer to what their uh, what their interpretation of their own doctrine is. That is appropriate for a defendant 
as in the cases that we've cited. Uh, but this doctrine is a shield. Here, that shield should protect my clients. If my clients were to sue the Satanic Temple to rejoin it or something like that, the ecclesiastical extension, abstention doctrine would be a shield for the Satanic Temple. Thank you, Your Honors. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've, you have an additional minute on the clock, given the timing. Thank you, Your Honors. Uh, thou shalt not steal. Does the ecclesiastical abstention bar prevent a tort action for conversion if the person who converted was a church or a priest under their position? The answer is yes, but we know the answer is no. Bolduc versus Bailey, 586, Feds up 896. You can sue uh, for conversion if you're misappropriating church funds, which, by the way, is one of the claims at issue in this defamation action. Uh, turning briefly to the bad faith intent, we briefed it in the reply brief. We very specifically pleaded it. Uh, it's established in the matter in which the thieves hijacked the websites, attempted to hijack other websites, removed all approved administrators, gloated about the matter publicly, and then refused to return control of the websites to their rightful owners. Nothing in the statute says anything about ICANN. Nothing in the Senate report says anything about ICANN. This was designed to be technologically neutral enough to proceed into the future. We are now in the future. 25 years later, the statute doesn't need to be amended. It applies here today. Uh, as to this business about TSC killing the child, obviously, no, we didn't. But that would run afoul of the first tenet as well. Compassion and empathy are, of course, run afoul by uh, killing a child, for example. Uh, unless the court has any particular questions, I'd uh, cede the rest of my time. Thank you. It appears not. Um, thank both counsel for your argument and briefing. Very interesting and novel case. Uh, United Federation of Churches versus Johnson is submitted.